Hey everybody, it's No Driving Gloves again tonight. Um, mixing it up, uh, Sean and Derek are joining us, or joining me tonight. And we pulled one out of the local Birmingham car community, but has a pretty good social media following. A lot of guys in uh, his car base know who, who we're talking about. Uh, a lot of magazine cars, some pretty radical builds over time. But Philip Stone, big, big into rotaries. We've been friends for years. Uh, Sean's known him for a while. This is Derek's first meeting. I'm trying to think. Back a year or two ago, I think I might even put him in touch with Will because he wanted to build an LS, which is yeah. totally different logic rotaries, and has gotten unbelievably deep into it. He's building it like he's a NASCAR team. He puts pictures on social media of his, you know, his gram scales, his micrograms, and, you know... <laughs> the, you got the special rod balancers and just, you know, when Phil does something, he does it right. Takes him a, Sometimes it takes him a while to do it. I want to say you've had cars at SEMA, haven't you, Phil, or am I wrong? I did. I, I had it back in 2012. Uh, it was mainly built together by local Birmingham builders. Me, Walker Morgan at uh, MP Fab, and Jonathan Goolsby. Okay. Uh, from Goolsby oh, cool. Custom did the bodywork. So it was, I think, uh, one of the few import that he built. We're talking, and I, I always get everything screwed up because Mazda likes these two-letter chassis numbers. And chassis numbers work great if you're into the cars. But if you're, you know, you're somebody like me who's un, into everything, I can't keep E36 and E38 and Z22 BMW straight. I can't keep NA, NB, NC, ND Mazdas, uh, Miatas, correct? You've got a, you're, you, you specialize or primarily do now FD RX7s? Yeah, so I, right, I, I've, I fell in love with the FD back in when they first came out. I was in high school and I always loved the styling and that's kind of was my goal of the 90s Japanese, you know, sports car. And I always thought that FD was the prettiest one out of all of them. Maybe NXX, kind of, and I kind of wanted one of those two. Um, I specialize in FDs mainly because I've, I've currently own three. I probably had, I think, like 13, 14 of them over the years. My first one was about a 93 base in 1999. So about 21 years of owning them. And then throughout the years, I've had almost all the rotary vehicles minus the R100 and the Repool. Oh, and the, the ugly ones, which is uh, the Cosmo. <laughs> I was going to say, have you had the a Cosmo? The 70s, you know. If you'd had a Cosmo, I'd, I was like, that'd, that'd be Yeah, I, didn't own, I haven't owned the 4 or the 5, which is 5 is the Cosmo. I don't know what's up with the Cosmo, but to me, it's like a pug, man. They're they're so oh, ugly. They're yeah, they're like, ugly, heavy seventies, which it's insane, which is very unusual for Mazda. But they're still so, cool. They're still they is, still have they still have some mystique to them. Yeah, there's a guy named uh, I can't remember his name. I went to a shop in California, and he probably had the, one of the nicest RX4 that I've ever seen. But yeah, I mean, when they're done right, I mean, I, I think you can make it really pretty and nice but you know the stock form they're, they're not that pretty yeah there, there was a guy that was yeah. uh autocrossing uh for a long time scca national stuff with an rx3 um oh, yeah blue rx3 and <clears throat> that thing was a slot car man like yeah had, i mean 
they had it hooked up. Yeah, I mean, the RX3 is probably the most popular uh, SCCA rotary cars, you know, that, I mean, the, there's so much history against the, for the RX3, like Jim Downing from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Raced yeah. The RX3, you know, yep. uh, Mandeville also raced them. Uh, and that's how they kind of got into the scene and made them very famous. How much time have you gotten to spend around Downing, or or have you gotten to spend any time? So, um, because I knew some of the people who worked there, uh, when I first moved to Birmingham in 2002, uh, 2003, there was a get-together at Downing. So I went over there and met uh, Jim and Rick. They had a bunch of events there over the years. Uh, Lots year or year before I finally my dream was to get an engine built by Rick Ingman. Mm-hmm. So I finally had a FD motor built by Rick. I bought a brand new 13B REW, um, shipped it over straight to uh, Rick Ingman. Um, and then Rick tore it apart and then then put it back together for me. And cool. then signed it because you know he's kind of getting up there now. Um, I think he must be like mid 80s yeah we don't want to talk about that because that means no i know but yeah it's but you know i'm getting old and everyone's getting old now none of us none of us are old you know (laughs) year 2000 was just like two or three years ago right i can't i can't remember who i was talking to or i just recently read and you know i go that's been oh it's been 30 years been 30 years since i saw this person because they were posting about a guitar that they got in, you know, I think they got when they were 20 and, I, you know, they were a year or two younger than me. And I go, well, that would have been, that's 30 years ago. And I can't believe that's that long ago. But um, I haven't had a lot of experience with the rotary. We, I remember best friend in high school, Pat Drake, we went and he went and test drove one. You know, his dream was to get out of his Chevette and, you know, get rid of the vet and buy a, uh, something else and you know we were test driving an rx uh like an 85 rx7 glse i mean it's a nice one to have and it's probably if i was to buy a a rotary what i would get either that or because i'm an odd person i would want like the 88 turbo convertible because I, i like their three position tops and stuff but what what drew you to rotaries was it the just the styling of that or did the uniqueness of the mechanicals or i mean why why are people drawn to it is it the fact that uh, what are they red line at eight nine ten thousand rpm you know ridiculous uh red line numbers you mean even compared to a honda or yeah i mean it's that's the a revs very, to infinity yeah i mean uh, you know that's a very good question <laughs> uh, i mean i'm like as soon as you you said that, it, it's like ask. It's like asking you why did you pick your wife? You know, <laughs> just everything so, was so right. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, so I was in college. It was my sophomore year in college, or actually, yeah. And my best friend, uh, he had a first gen RX seven, and I remember he was explaining to me how rotary engine worked. And at that point, I wasn't. I was a car audio guy. I think a lot of the people from my era who really got into cars like you know customization now kind of started in the car audio back when it was like really booming um and guilty as charged <laughs> and and so you know he was explaining to me about rotary engine i was just like oh it doesn't make sense like what are you talking about like you know like it needs to have a piston what is this crazy thing and then when i 
finally bought one, I had to apologize to him. I was like, oh, now I know why, what you meant, you know, like several years ago. And that said, I, I think, you know, like for me, it was for an FD, it was definitely for aesthetics first. Um, I always, I'm, just to kind of give you a little bit of my background, I'm, I actually hold a fine arts degree, <laughs> but I was a pre-med and uh, I was a chem minor, bio minor. I was one class away from biochem major. And, and I mainly did that so that uh, back then uh, to get into med school, you, you did not want to be a science major. If you had the same MCAT score, everyone say, hey, don't be a science major because you're, you have a much better chance of getting into a med school. So for that reason, I purposely did not take this one class to be a biochem major. But that said, I, I had a lot of okay. art background over the years. So I was kind of really drawn into the aesthetics. And then once I bought it and drove it, it was a completely different beast. Uh, I mean, over the years, I had a chance to drive and ride and et cetera in many different cars. And I think earlier I said I wanted a GTR. And that was when I took my buddy's R35 at Barber. He let me drive it for two sessions <laughs> by myself. Um, and it was a phenomenal car. And then a week later, he and I went to uh, Atlanta Motorsport Park. Is that right? AMP. Mm -hmm. And then we drove there. We drove the car and back. And I was like, wow, this does everything, you know. But at the same time, like I got in my FD and drove it at Barber. And it's totally different. Just the fun factor, you know, the how it fell. And, and I think... Now I appreciate it a lot more about that car, the chassis. Is the FD just compared to the, the GTR, which I've known you for years, and again, you've you've wanted one as long as I yeah. can remember. Is the FD is just a more visceral car? You know, you feel more. It's not Correct. so. You know, yeah. it's kind of like when I got rid of my Caterham and I bought my mm -hmm. Porsche. I never really understood the Porsche because I didn't get the same experience as my yeah. Caterham. Uh, I mean, that's pretty, you know, you know, going from bananas to steak or something from on, on yeah. the car side. And now that we're, you know, I've sold my Porsche years ago and I'm back to, I understand that now and I'm old enough now and maybe it's time to, uh -huh. <laughs> to, to get another one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, but, it's true. Like I remember going up three and four at Barber, you know, on my FD, I just go all in and just let it go up, you know, that kind of momentum and go. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a great driver, but, you know, at, at one point I drove probably once a week, tracked the FD once, well, not once a week, once a month. Um, and, you know, like, and then I remember taking the R35 up the same way and just the computer kicked in and there's no acceleration. And I was kind of shocked mm -hmm. and there was another R35 right be or right behind me or front of me from top speed and then they came over and we started chatting and I realized that they work for top speed and I asked them about, you know, what, what, what's going on with this car? I'm in the race mode and all of a sudden I'm losing throttle and they explain, Oh yeah, this is common. Like apparently steering angle and the G meter when you hit certain point, like the computer just kicks in. Yeah, steering it's angle, G-meter, and then yeah. it would literally, I've driven a couple R35s out at, at Barber, and when you crest uh, the hill at four, uh -huh. and the car unweights, uh, the car knows that you've that you've unweighted, and as, as soon as the car comes over the hill at four, it pulls 
everything. Like it's like yeah. nope, 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 nope. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's an interesting car, but then you look at your lap time at the end of the session. I know what? <laughs> it's like, exactly. <laughs> I dropped like six. I mean, yeah. me driving first time in a GTR, I dropped like six seconds, and I was like. Wow, that's insane! You know, yeah, like literally, at Road Atlanta, drove back to back a street tired, minimally modded Sky or, or GTR back to back with an F four thirty Challenge car, like a mm-hmm. pro, like a full race setup F four thirty Challenge Ferrari on the four thirty Challenge race tires, and the four thirty Challenge car I was running one thirties, the GTR I was running one twenty eight. It's a street car. It totally like, drove driven to the track. Yeah, and yeah, it's the 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 GTR is just. I would buy several other cars before I bought one because of exactly what you just said, though. Because the FD is, I think, more fun to drive. It's more mm-hmm. engaging. You feel like you're more part of the experience. Like the human yeah. being is part of driving that car, and the yeah. GTR is kind of like, thank you, Japan. I know. <laughs> like, hey, I, I mean, that's much. when I realized, like. You know, I was like, wow, I mean, the technology plus, you know, it, it does a lot of things really well. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get on the interstate and you put on the comfort mode and you're just cruising. It's like, I mean, I'm like, wow, this is better than my little, you know, semi-compact luxury sedan, you know. Right. Like, so I think that's one of the factors why I wanted it. And then, then two, my wife would not let my son ride in any of my rotaries. Really? <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's there's cars are. I mean, have you gone bonkers with one yet? Like horsepower wise, you you haven't really gone um, stratospheric, so, have you? Or or so, have you? I don't know about. Um, it. So well, not really. So after I tracked for about two years with the FD, the motor was getting tired, so I upgraded to a BNR Brian Nichols turbos. I upgraded to his stage three. We built it together because I've known Brian since I moved here in Birmingham. So I kind of wanted to build my own turbo. So I went over to his shop and, you know, he kind of, sh- I built some of his customers' turbos to learn how to build it. Right. And then, and then finally I built my own turbo, balanced it myself. At that point, I got a new motor, new turbos, um, Adaptronics, um, Andy Wyatt from Australia. He sponsored me. He flew here to Birmingham and uh, we tuned it. But some weird reason we only made like uh, just shy of 400 at the wheels. And then I took it to Barber and I'd start having these shift issues. Every time I upshift, the car would just bog down um, and we couldn't get it to fix. Uh, so then I went with uh, Borg Warner. Luckily, they also sponsored me and um, I switched to Borg Warner 8374 EFR turbos. Try to break into like 450. I blew the motor at Little Talladega. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, I was kind of like, I was like the instructor for one of the track days. And then I went out with my student. Then it was my turn. I'd kind of warm up the first lap and then coming back into the front straight and just kind of got on it a little bit and done. And the, so, these are these are two riders, just so yeah, everybody. Two riders. You're you're, yeah. you're running with two riders, so yeah. Um, as soon as you say 450 horsepower, somebody is even considering that it's a three rider. They'd be like, no, that's not enough. But yeah, for <laughs> I know. 450 out of a 450 out of a two rider, though. I mean, I mean that's, that's not bad power, man. I mean, it's that's not bad. But you know, like the, it's crazy. You know, like 20 years ago, 
you talk about like 320 and you're like, wow, that's awesome. Right. You know, now everyone thinks that, you know, anything under 500 is not enough. Are you sticking with the twin turbos or are you, are you converting to single? No, I'm single. Yeah. So now I, I got it running last year. I'll, and then I switched into Borg Warner's new 8474. I was supposed to get the tune at the beginning of April. And I bought a flight for one of my buddies to fly here in Birmingham to get it tuned. And then, you know, this whole COVID stuff happened. So I put it into that, didn't it? Yeah. So now I'm just kind of waiting. Yeah, I had to cancel his flight. And then I'm just kind of waiting and see. He's, he lives in Connecticut, so it's a little gotcha. bit hard for him too. I can't wait to see that car to try again. That's been a long time. It's been two yeah. Years. I mean, I don't even, I don't even drive anymore to be honest. I, it's, I know <laughs> no one does. No one, no one does unless you're. You know, actually, I guess everybody went back to work this week, and now all the essential personnel are really mad at the non-essential personnel for clogging up the roads again. Uh, <laughs> everybody seems upset. Yeah. Let's spin it over to Derek for a second. I know Derek. I, I'm I'm curious to hear the conversation between. Derek and Phil regarding rotary power and potentially the differences of, of what you'd have in a 13B and a Mazda versus a Corvette, or is it the same, same basic driveline, man? I don't, I don't know enough about the rotary and the Corvette, but I, I'm sure a lot of people probably don't even know that Corvette had a rotary. Yeah, they, they did two experimentals. And <clears throat> GM had done a bunch of experimenting. They actually had, had gotten licensed to, to build their own rotary engine. Phil, you might know a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Back in the 70s, yep. the GM, what they called the GMREC program. I don't remember. General Motors Rotary Engine. I don't remember what the C stood for um, right offhand. Yeah, and of course, they, they were experimenting with it because as many, many companies were doing in the 70s, trying to figure out what to do about the oil crisis, the gas crunch, the, all those things that were going on. Yeah, was there a different source of power like the rotary engine that they could use in place of the you know, reciprocating piston-driven internal combustion engine? Aimed to be in the, the Vega was going to be the first car to get it they were looking at putting it into a, a bunch of the cars basically we're slowly rolling it out through the the fleet of vehicles that came out of general motors but two of the more interesting corvette concept cars that came out of that time were the two rotor corvette and the four rotor corvette that was known as aerovet the museum actually happened we just just last year acquired the two rotor corvette um, it was privately owned in england a uh, gentleman over there named Tom Falconer had purchased it from General Motors to save it from being scrapped. But Chuck Jordan, it must have been a good day for Chuck Jordan because he actually let the car go rather than scrap it. Uh, Chuck was notoriously a not pleasant guy, but he did not allow the car to go to Tom Falconer with the GM rotary engine in it. So um, what Tom did was he eventually figured out how to fit a Mazda rotary engine in it two rotor don't ask me the designation on it because i don't know the answer to that it it still runs with that two the mazda two rotor in it to this day um we actually we had it at amelia island this year for at the concourse for the mid-engine uh corvette display gm about probably about 10 years ago or so they were cleaning out somewhere in gm and found one of the original gmrc two rotor engines and actually 
let Tom Falconer acquire it. That engine came with the car and it is the museum's goal. We're actually, we've been looking at the engine and determining everything we need to do. Our goal is to reunite it back into the car, make the car a GM rotary engine car again, because for some reason, and Phil, maybe you can explain this because I haven't found anywhere in the writing yet why they did this. The GM rotary engine spins the opposite direction from Mazda's. Mm. Interesting. And so right now, the Mazda two-rotor that is in the two-rotor Corvette, there's actually mm. a, a a gear you know, reversing set yeah. in a case that goes in between the engine and transmission. And it's straight cut gears and it's horribly noisy. Um, mm. The car's running and you think you know it's going to like chew itself up or something because the gears in that that system are just really noisy. And uh, one of the big reasons we want to get the original engine back in. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the interesting things oh. I came across was that for some reason, GM, I don't know if it had to do with the licensing agreement, something like that, but their engine actually spins the opposite way of a, a Mazda um, engine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Of course, AeroVet's the four rotor, the bigger, higher horsepower attempt. And I think the, the interesting thing that came out of it all was that um, John DeLorean uh, was, of course, at GM at the time, involved in both the two-rotor and four-rotor Corvettes, more so the four-rotor Aerovet because of its polished yeah. uh, aluminum finish, gullwing doors, um, and then he takes off and does DeLorean motors. Mm -hmm. but yeah, so we're actually kind of, I, I mean, my, you know, my knowledge of rotary engines is fairly small. I learned about them in, of course, in powertrain classes in in college, I got to play around with, you know, a couple examples that we had in the shop. It wasn't until I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, working at the Crawford Auto Aviation Museum, a longtime friend and uh, happened to be a board member at the Crawford, uh, owns a 1970, uh, 72 uh, Cosmo. And okay. uh, I was, and uh, <laughs> we, he was like, well, let's go grab lunch. And he's like, we'll take the Cosmo. And he drives it to the burger place and we have a burger and we're walking out. He goes, Hey, why don't you drive back? And I had to drive this Mazda Cosmo back to his shop. And he's like, one thing, there's only one thing to remember, just redline it before you shift because it just wants to be happy that way. Yep. <laughs> Learning more about it with the two rotor Corvette. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's an incredible car. So a while back, it might be like 10 plus years ago, I heard that there was a, either a private owner or a collector had the, the full rotor arrow in like Ohio, if I want to recall. Is no, the four rotor has always stayed with, no, it's always stayed with GM. It's, it's oh, always okay. been a heritage collector. Huh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought I, I, I was trying to refine that article that I, I saw like long time ago. It was, some privateer had it and maybe I just mis misread it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know about the no. spinning the opposite direction. I know Mazda recently came out with the rotary. I don't know if you saw it, Sean, but there was like a patent cert, like a patent that Mazda, you know, applied and about the new rotary engine. And I think it spent the other direction. Does the does the thirteen B? I don't even know, man. Like, does what direction does the thirteen B spin? Like, if you're sitting in the driver's seat, is it spinning counterclockwise or? Clockwise? Uh, so if you are looking at from the front, it's spinning the clockwise. 
Okay, so sitting yeah. in the sitting in the driver's seat, it would be counterclockwise. It would be all counterclockwise. Yeah, and that's that's why that is that, that counterclockwise. Yeah, because the GM drive lines all spin counterclockwise, or, or oh, they, all spin, me, they all spin they all spin clockwise when you're sitting in the driver's seat. Now I'm like clockwise. Trying to think yeah. clockwise, yeah. clockwise. Yeah, that's why they would have reversed it. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because it's transverse mm. in the. And it's transverse. The rotors are transverse in the car. So, you know, you've got your transverse two rotors side by side. And then you've got right now, because it's the Mazda, you got the gear casing that goes down to the transmission that they've modified to make everything work in the rear wheel drive setup. So Yeah, that uh, that reverse yeah, I mean, has the, to be because the rest of the drive line is designed to, to spin that way and they didn't want to Yeah. Because if they were looking to put it in a Vega or something, right. that wouldn't have been a transverse setup. That would have been a traditional. And as opposed to re-engineering the entire package, when they're putting it in the mid-engine Corvette, they have to make everything new anyway. Well, they basically. had to modify. They had to modify a Porsche 914.6 chassis. John, come on. And and I don't understand that because when you're talking about the way this rotates and the way that rotates up until a decade ago, Honda motors rotated the opposite direction of anything in the world. Because I remember back in the mid nineties when I was in my modern automotive technology class and the teacher was explaining, or the instructor was explaining, well, the transmission and a front wheel drive is always on, you know, this side of the, the motor or the right side of the car, blah, blah, blah. I'm going, no, my CRX in the parking lot, it's on the left side. <laughs> and he's basically telling me, no, it isn't. And I'm going, yes, it is. And, you know, we finally, oh, yeah, that rotates. You know, I guess I figured it out years later when I was doing my motor swaps that it rotates the opposite direction. And that's that's why, you know, it has torque steer to the opposite direction than his Dodge Daytona. That's cool stuff, man. Very, very few cars have, in, in history, internal combustion, piston-driven, have spin, you know, have spun non-standard clockwise rotation. Yeah, Stern's automobiles back in the early 1900s, it's really odd to hand crank one because instead of hand cranking clockwise, you've got to figure out how to pull it over hand cranking it the opposite way, which for a right hand person is extremely difficult to get past the compression stroke. And I believe for a long time, if I recall correctly, Volkswagen spun counterclockwise. I think they were the, one of the other big ones. I never had any VWs old enough to go back to that, but yeah, I, I do remember hearing that from for like the fifties models, mm -hmm. like the twelve hundreds. Yeah, it's all all kinds of weird stuff out there, man. Um, I'm learning something new. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about the rotary Corvette. That's what we're good ago. for, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Useless information that no one needs to know. Yeah, but but we get it pretty much without looking it up. I always find that amazing awesome. that somehow some of us know these uh, obscure bits of trivia. Derek threw Rotary Corvette out a couple of weeks ago on the show, and I literally after the show was like, I got to go look for that, and I'm like typing, and I'm just, I'm just like, I have no idea what he's talking about. It's um, it's a really it is really an interesting. I mean, to to be in a a, a car that carries the name Corvette. And number one, be from the 70s and not look anything like a Corvette because it, it just isn't. You know, it, it, its styling is all different. I mean, everything about it is is insane. You know, at Amelia Island, you know, driving from the truck lot down with, with some of the other Corvette mid-engine concepts that we were doing, 
And here it's it's the only surviving rotary Corvette because the four rotor, they pulled the four rotor out and put a V8 in that because they didn't want to talk about the rotary program. Oh, yeah, it's got a V8 in it to this day. So the two rotors, the only rotary powered Corvette, experimental Corvette left in existence. You know, I'm driving this thing and the sound of a rotary engine is so much different. Yeah, I mean, just that kind of, I guess I'll call it the whirring of the Mm -hmm. rotary engine. It's just that different sound. You know, it's right behind you. There's no divider in that car. There's no glass divider or anything. It's just a hatch that covers the engine. So you hear all that noise. People just look at it when it, you know, because it just says two rotor down the side. And here we're coming in with all these Corvette, you know, experimental Corvettes. And it's just, people are just like, what is that? Because it does not sound like a Corvette. It does not look like a Corvette. Here it is in the lineup of Corvettes. It's, It's an incredible, incredible car. It could have been. Totally could have been. It it could have been, and it it actually I think would have been a very fun Corvette. But it's again, it's one of those steps of being very much more European style, Mm -hmm. and that that was that was part of the issue too. When you go mid-engine, you wind up with that European sports car look. You know, more of the mid-engine European cars, Porsche. I mean, obviously, it's built on a nine fourteen six chassis that Zora hacked up and and changed. Yeah, I mean, Kip Wasinko, who was the designer, penned it up, and then they had Pininfarina body it. So it's bodied in Italy. Eric, so I have a question. So is it fiberglass? No. Huh, okay. No, it's um, really, it, it's mostly steel. There's a couple aluminum components, but okay. mostly a steel body. Hmm. Pininfarina steel body. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's not really but one or two Corvette parts on it. The shifter okay. is Corvette mm-hmm. pieces, actual Corvette GM pieces. I think maybe the gas pedal and brake pedal, but even those were modified. Um, the driver's seat does not adjust fore or aft. All it does is it it will kick up. It'll actually the the ba- it'll just lift up so you get a different kind of seating position. Oh. But you can if you have short legs or long legs, you can't adjust the seat. So the pedals actually are adjustable on a lever. You actually okay. reach down under the dash, there's a lever, and you can pull the, the gas pedal and brake pedal either up towards closer to you or push them further away. Um, and that's how you'd adjust. I mean, it's, it's really hmm. once you get into it and start you know, looking at it, it's crazy. And the, the coolest thing about it, probably for Phil, I don't know if, if Sean and John care, the center button of the um, steering wheel, it is not a Chevy logo. It's not a Corvette logo. It's not a GM logo. It is basically what John has behind him. It's the rotor. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. It's it's just it's the symbol of the rotor from the oh. engine in the middle of the okay. steering wheel. It's just it, oh. that is probably one of the coolest things on that car, I think. Huh. Hey, before we jump into and kind of slide this over to why. Uh, Phil's experimenting with the dark side <laughs> and LS power plants. You were saying a little bit before the show, and I don't know if Phil's read the news or seen it in the I've news or, um, <laughs> yep, or Sean's seen it. I was just reading some of the information on it since you brought it up, Derek. We're going to have a third rotary Corvette in existence, cor- correct? Oh. Or can you say anything? Yeah, um, you want me to talk about it. Yeah, because we were talking about it right before. 
So yeah, it's it's all over YouTube. It's all yeah. over you know the the internet. Uh, there's a, a YouTuber out there named Rob Dam. He's an interesting guy. Uh, I got to meet him in person actually the other day. Mm-hmm. He popped by our motorsports park to drive a C8. He's the guy that bought, and we should actually probably have him on the show. Honestly, he's the guy that bought the first wrecked C8 Corvette, the one that got hit by a drunk driver in I think yeah. it was Florida. I don't remember where it was. Yeah, the but article said he goal, was coming back from Florida. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, his goal is to put together a four rotor engine and put that into the C8 and bring about a modern day aero event. He actually had the car with him when he stopped at the museum and motorsports park on the trailer. He hung out at the motorsports park with a couple of our MSP guys, came over to the museum. You know, Rob popped in to, to talk rotary Corvette. He didn't know we had the two rotor. I got a chance to, you know, sit down with him and talk two-rotor, four-rotor Corvette. He did a great YouTube video. If you guys haven't seen it yet, pop on YouTube. There's a bunch of us from the museum involved in the video. Uh, yeah, I'm on there talking about the two-rotor, the four-rotor. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a cool project, and I can't wait to see it. I mean, I think it's going to be awesome to to see it come to life and, and be a, a modern version of that. Rob actually came to my rotary event like maybe like 10-plus years ago. <laughs> So I met him then and seven stock SEMA. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. And I, I, I would like to see it, what he does. I think it'll be interesting. I know he already has that motor because I think that was his first motor with the whole UPS thing. It'll be interesting to see. That C8 chassis is yeah. bad to the yeah. bottom, man. I mean, it's that should be an absolute track monster. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I went to SEMA last year and one of the company that does i guess the alignment rack and that had a c8 on it and and i was actually looking at how everything is kind of put together um that was very interesting like how all the panels are just completely removable <laughs> they brought the actual c8 SEMA, but i think a lot of people just kind of pass by this you know completely disassembled chassis and I was taking all kinds of pictures to see how it's put together. And it was very fascinating to see that, for sure. I think some of the designers are going to go nuts with it, for sure. I, I really like it. I, I think it's probably one of the better-looking ones that I've seen. You know, I'm an import guy, and for me to, like, real, like not, I mean, like, I'm considering it against, like, GTRs now. I mean, I, I posted it multiple times on my social media. How much I like it, and I think GM did an amazing job. Last last time I saw you in person was at the VIP unveil in Birmingham, so I, I was kind of surprised to see. Oh that. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I actually brought a friend of mine, like one of my best friends here in Birmingham. He had a twin turbo bed uh, Z06 C5, and so I was <laughs> like, "Dude, you need to go look at it because you need to buy this thing." <laughs> so I brought him over. But yeah, I mean, I I love it. The design, too. I mean. I mean, GM did an amazing job, amazing job. Um, I still don't then, understand how the base model car is priced where it's at. I, I can't wrap my brain around the price yeah. point. Mm-hmm. I know it's tough to find one at that price point, yeah. but you could spec one. You could spec one and have one oh, built. Yeah. And, and that's, honestly, that's when I, you know, my plan is to probably order one in the next couple of years. And that is yeah. exactly my plan. I'm going to spec it out at the base level. Yeah. And because what do I need anything more than the base level? I, I'm not going to track it. You know, my, I don't track the car. 
I'm not going to take it yeah. out on track. I'm going to use it as a, a, a daily driver. You know, I'm going to be the guy driving it to work and driving it out on the roads for fun. Yeah. I don't need anything more than what that car can do in its base setting. I mean, it's it's insane in its base, mm-hmm. you know, level. I mean, to I, go above that, I mean, I get it. There's guys that want that, but yeah. for me, I don't need it. I am going to track it, and I want the base setting because, <laughs> seriously, I, I used to, like, when I worked with SRT, everybody used to ask me, what is the spec SRT vehicle that you would get? And my answer was always either the core editions or when the Scat Pack came out, the Scat Pack. And I had a Scat Pack Challenger for a while. And the reason was, I'm the guy that's going to, if I bought an SRT or if I bought the C8 with the adaptive damping and all of that stuff on it, I'm the guy that would want to rip all that out and put traditional coil levers in it and corner weight the car properly. And I, I don't understand why people would go out and buy the fully loaded Z51 if they're going to track it knowing that they're probably going to eventually put some double adjustable shocks on it, you know, proper coil levers, corner weight the car. Um, you're going to end up with aftermarket suspension bits and pieces here and there, spherical bearings, stuff like that, just to, to tighten the chassis up even further. The base model car to a lot of the hardcore folks makes more sense than the higher level cars, just because we're going to rip them apart. <laughs> we're going we're well, to rip think- them apart. I think where you're at, Sean, is you're you're jumping the 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 middle crowd that is totally most, totally the most totally or yeah. guys yeah are the guys totally. that they want the car that can go on track and the computer can kind of yeah. keep things under control if it gets hairy yeah they're not the guys that want to rip the car apart right. and put different <laughs> stuff in oh yeah know? and, I, and so I, I think you know there's that middle range that they like the Z51 because it it's good on track. I mean, Phil wants to tell you you're wrong. No, I'm not saying, but you know, like I'm my, my idea of what I would buy has changed as I get older, you know, like as I get older, like I'm looking for something that is easy to get in easy out. Like before, when I was younger in the twenties, I'm like, Oh, these old people, you know, what? All they care about is comfort and all this stuff. Man, I'm getting old and I hate to say it, but like now I'm like, man, I'm sick and tired of getting into these little tight bucket seat that I could barely squeeze into, you know, like, and now I just want that. And I'm also getting tired of building it at sometimes, like, you know, like I just want to buy it, get in, you know, and then just drive it, you know, like, and that's another thing that I'm, I'm starting to kind of understand more about how some of these guys you know they 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 kind of go after like certain model cars mainly because it's yeah just you get in you go you have warranty you just beat the crap out of it you know i had a friend who came a rotary guy that i knew from cincinnati back in the 90s or early 2000s uh when i first bought it i grew joined these um rotary groups in cincinnati ohio and one of the guys is a ups flight uh, a pilot and he tracks and he has a gt4 that he tracks so he came down to barber and you know and i'm and he's like yeah he's like i bought this thing to track you right. know i right. get in i have warranty i want to just beat the whatever i don't know if i could yeah. say it but you know like i mean and now i kind of have that appreciation now like Ah, it's so nice to just buy something, beat the shit out of it, and then if something happens to it, you take it to a dealer and they fix it. 
So I'm going to throw no. this out there. I think I can get John to come along with me on, on this train of thought. I don't know whether I can get Phil and Derek to come along with me on this train <laughs> of thought. But going back to what you just said about you want something that's comfortable, easy to get in and out of, something that you could take to the track and still have fun with. What if we can convince Mazda to come out with a two-rotor, twin-turbo, rear-wheel drive, eight-speed ZF transmissions <laughs> minivan? <laughs> you take it out on track and you embarrass Porsches and Corvettes and Mustangs, and then you throw your family and your dogs in the back and you go on holiday. I guess that's and the Odyssey guys from Honda, right? That's exactly where I'm. That's exactly where I'm going, dude. I, there's something amazingly cool now, see, about see, a minivan that decimates. Well, remember, I, I had a Mazda five for a couple of weeks last you year. You should have rotaried it. Well, and not necessarily rotary it, but that's the I believe the last minivan that was, if you can call it a minivan, it was a mini minivan. It was a micro minivan. Yeah. yeah or it was a minivan in 1984 dimensions. Right. But it was available with a manual transmission. And a lot of the guys on the uh, Mazda 5 forums, that's the one to have, is the Touring, like the Touring S with the 5-speed. And uh, it's supposed to be a little bit more fun than, obviously, the automatic. But I'm I'm kind of like Phil. You know, if I was to go out and buy a new Corvette, um, I'm going to get a convertible. Uh, I'm going to... Um, want some plush comfort so i've just i've gotten to the point where phil is i learned i got tired of building cars and losing so much damn money on them that's why i got into lotus because i can go ahead and buy stuff and it's built by at least somebody who has a little bit more knowledge than me and it's stuck together and now i'm old and decrepit and um if i can't get a ctsv or uh, whatever Cadillac's calling C- no. CT6V or whatever they're calling them now, or something comfortable. Um, I kind of, I kind of, you know, want the factory warranty. I don't track. I- I'm that middle ground that I'm not going to buy the crazy car, but I want a couple of creature comforts and uh, a little bit of function. So, do you wear sneakers I mean, on a daily basis, John? Not New Balance. Okay, just, that's where. Just buying that next. Just check. <laughs> you got to get the jorts. <laughs> You gotta get the George. I was gonna say you, you need to raise your shoulders about guys, three inches. You guys are all yeah. You guys are see the the problem is you guys want to put things on track. You're talking about. I mean, I've been doing this since I was like in my teens, guys. You're talking about a car that's cars that are at, at, at cars that are easy to get into, cars that are comfortable. I mean. 1920s automobiles they have full running boards that are like a step into a house you get in you sit down on a seat that is as big as your couch in your living room Mm -hmm. i mean this is why i mean they're nothing but pure comfort well i was gonna say you're you're sitting there talking about i want a dead base z51 mid-engine corvette i don't need any options on it blah 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 this coming from the guy who two, three weeks ago when we had Adam Martin, the insurance guy on here, was talking to him, how do I insure my 1919 Chevrolet so I can drive it to work on a daily basis? Very true. <laughs> I mean, how do we I take get... your 1919 Chevrolet and, you know and I've drop got it? it insured and it ha- I've got the, the cars insured and I have a work, trying to remember what they call it, a, a, a work policy or something like that. I don't remember the name he used for it. Oh, a work endorsement on it. And I can drive it, I think it's two or three days a week to work. 
Is that a result of the Adam Martin episode? Did he get you to do those questions, or did you actually have that in place before we talked to him? No, I'd been, well, I'd been working on having it in place. Uh, The other Adam um, at my place of employment is insuring the car. No, we've been, we've been working on my quote, my policy for a while. Okay. I'm just curious. Phil, how do you feel about dropping a rotary in Derek's 1919 Chevrolet? Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do that. Let's, I would I, I would stick with V eight. Um, big turbo twenty B. I mean LS all the way. Baby. Oh my god. What? Who are you? <laughs> I've got a I've got a sixty one Ford Falcon we could play around with. <laughs> we could do that. I, I mean I, I don't get me wrong, I'm I'm a rotary guy. I mean I own tons of rotary cars. I mean I you know, now I, I think I told you earlier about another Cosmo. And then that Cosmo, when I bought it, he had an RX2. So I bought the RX2 along with the Cosmo. And then I have an RX3, uh, the blue one that yeah. was used to belong to a local guy. Um, and then three FDs. My wife doesn't know this, but I also own a, a R3 RX8. She I bought it now. as a collector. No, now she, she does. Doesn't. She's probably not going <laughs> to listen to this. She'll listen to like the first five minutes. But the RX-8 is really neat. It's the very, the 2010 R3 um, with the Recaro seats and all kinds of fun stuff on it. Um, you know, now I'm kind of at that point where I would buy as a collector, maybe, but not. I think I'm kind of at that point where I'm not looking for like super high horsepower rotary because... I just don't believe in the, the the reliability factor of it. I mean, they're cool. I think, you know, there are a lot of guys out there that do these crazy, you know, three full rotor builds, but I don't think it's quite matched into that chassis. Like, I think I mentioned that I was doing LS into a Unos Cosmo. And mainly I was thinking about it because I had the Unos Cosmo since 2008 or 2009. I can't remember, somewhere around there. Mazda was always awesome about the chassis so mazda was always good about like the engine placement utilizing all the engine bay the chassis design the cosmo was very odd you know like a super long front end you look at the two order version and you're like why did mazda put such a tiny motor into this enormously long front end and i always kind of kind of looked at it and because I owned it, I could just see from the underneath the engine bay. And I always said like, this is not right. And then, you know, the history of Cosmo, you know, the very first Cosmo from the sixties was the only rotary. There are three generation in between that had a rotary and a piston counterpart. And then the very last Cosmo, which was the 90 through 95 Unos Cosmo only came in two. And then the iconic three rotor. About two and a half years ago, I had a I was fortunate enough to go to Mazda headquarters and did a their basement tour. And they have a Uno's Cosmo. And then I just kind of brought it up and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing an LS, you know, build. Actually, initially I asked them, I said, Did Mazda always planned on just putting rotary into this chassis? And the guy who was showing me, he said, Yeah. And then I said, Well, it just seems very odd. And then he said, Oh, yeah, actually. You know, there Mazda was thinking about uh, bringing in a new, like a sub-brand called Amati. And recently, there was an article that came out in J- Jalopnik, I think 2018, a couple of years ago. And in that article, they the writer was interviewing a bunch of 
you know, former Mazda employee during this whole early 90s Amati branding in the United States. And one of the head guy actually stated, instead of putting in a V12 engine, it was going to be V8. So it kind of reconfirmed my theory of the LS kind of belongs in this chassis. So initially, I was going to just do a, uh, just build LS3. And then a friend of mine said, well, if you're going to put a V8 into uh, one of the iconic rotary car, you should just go all out. So now I'm doing twin turbo V8. And you, li- and you listened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I also wanted to see what the whole hype about LS, you know, swaps. So I figured the best thing to do is to build my own motor. So that's kind of what I did. Kind of learned how to build it. A friend of mine kind of helped out. Uh, his name is Michael Osborne here in Birmingham. He owns a LS3 uh, RX7, FD RX7. So he's a good friend of mine. And he just kind of, you know, showed me the ropes. And I balanced everything out and kind of put together, got the sponsorship all together. So I have Eagle Specialty is fully supported with their Forge Crank, ARP with all the hardwares, uh, Holly helped out. A bunch of guys just kind of, I'm just kind of a rotary guy, but they thought that they would be kind of a cool project. So they all kind of jumped in. You know, it, it's, it's time. Like John earlier talking about, you know, jumping in a car and, you know, stuff. I mean, to me, it becomes more of a time issue now. Like, I just don't have enough time to build cars. Like, it's getting harder and harder to find free time. And, like, my projects are taking longer and longer, mainly because time. Like, you know, I'm I'm at work talking with you guys. But, you know, during the day, like, I'm not now my son's, you know, home teacher. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it, it's tough. Like, my time with the cars are getting tougher. Um, so now I'm kind of partnering up with some of the local shops to get this project going. Um, there's a shop out in Irondale, Alabama. Um, his name is Danny Gonda, uh, Boosted Authority. Uh, he's he specializes in um, force induction LS swaps. So he did a LS swap RX8 recently um, and a bunch of other stuff. So he kind of partnered up and he's helping me get everything sorted because... I just don't have time now. <laughs> I can't wait to see the car, man. I, I can't wait to see the car. I'm, I'm just, it's a departure for you. And I haven't seen you for a while. And, and hearing you talk about it is just, it's, it's a little bizarre, but really cool. And I'm but, just curious, like the rest of the community I mean, that's out there, what's the but, ratio of catching hell to catching, oh my God, that's cool that you're getting. But, right but you know, I mean, the thing is that, you know, I'm also a scientist. So I'm looking at stats, right? I mean, if you look at rotary stats versus LS stats, I mean, you have 800 horsepower LS that's daily driven. I mean, I went to Eagle Performance or Eagle Specialty product. I had lunch with VP and one of the head sales. Uh, we we're having lunch and they asked me about what your horsepower goal. And at that point, I was like, I would like to do twin turbo 800 horsepower, you know, Cosmo. And they just kind of laughed at me and they're like, that's it. <laughs> you know, like I was like, I mean, 800 seems pretty high. Like, I, I mean, I'm not that good of a driver. And if I track that, I'll kill myself in an 800 horsepower It's going right? to be plenty fast. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, we sponsor someone with the exact same thing that you're getting into a 70s Camaro making 2,000 horsepower. And I'm like, and he daily drives it. And I'm like, 
you know, so I, I <laughs> that's mean, great. Don't need it. <laughs> but, but, you know, and then I'm thinking, I'm like, he's like, you need to shoot higher. <laughs> so, so now I'm telling people I'm like thousand horsepower. And I, I don't know. It's that thing. Like, you know, these guys, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm a rotary guy over 10 years ago, 2008. I went to formula D met an Australian drifter with the full rotor. So all the full rotor, um, stuff that people are building now, uh, the, the rotating assembly is from a guy named Jeff Bruce. And I knew that for many, many years. And I talked to this, I think he's BMI racing, I think it was. I chatted with this guy for like over an hour. And he, all he was telling me was how much issue he had with these full rotor stackable assembly. Different from the Mazda full rotor assembly. But the thing was that for me was if I'm going to spend 20 to 40K on a motor, I mean, one, I'm not a race car driver, right? You know, I'm not a sponsored driver racing everywhere. And, you know, that's not my goal. And I'm looking for stats. Like I'm looking for, I want to spend my money and I want that thing to last, right? I want to drive it. I don't want to keep rebuilding it, pulling it out, putting it back in, pulling it out, putting it back in. I mean, it's it's just time consuming. Like when I blew my motor at Little Talladega, it, it was blown due to a tuning issue. And I mentioned to the the guy who tuned it, I was like, yeah, I was like, this, I'm going to be set back over a year until I get this thing running. Mainly because I knew that the time that it's going to take me to get, pull it out, get it rebuilt and all this stuff. And then, you know, every time I pull it out, put it back in, I want it as a modifier. You want to do something a little different, a little bit better, right? I knew that it was going to take longer. So it took three years. And I had a super street feature guaranteed. Um before I blew it and you know Sam Du um, and I were chatting I was apologizing to him nonstop and you know finally when I got it done I apologized he still featured it and then I ended up being I think like the very last print issue which was awesome but I mean that that was kind of the issue for me was that when I looked into LS it just makes sense like I mean you had so many people have done it. So many people have shown that stats. They made the power. The parts are cheap. I mean, it is, you can't, like, I see why people do it now. And me building it in my garage myself, I'm sure once it starts running, it might just all fall apart. But but for me to actually do it myself, and I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty simple engine you know i think it's just as simple as a rotary engine you know i mean there aren't that many things like i I mean so for me like i I now i truly see the advantage of why people are so drawn into ls motors like I, i mean i totally see it and i hope that when it runs that it would it will it will kind of do what I think it will do, you know, the weight. I mean, I, I compare the weight between the three rotor stock motor versus bone stock LS3, you know, NA, I would have saved like 60 pounds. I'll right. make 400 plus horsepower, three rotor stock stock turbo system is only making like 300. Just that going NA, I'll say weight and power. I mean, you, you just can't beat it. And then the, with the history of the whole Amati coming into the United States, when I tie it all together, 
to me makes more sense. So my goal is to just go all out. I mean, let's see what it horsepower. does. Huh? If you're going all out, you're going 2,000 horsepower. You can put like a 160 well, I mean, ratio rear end in it, and you wouldn't have to worry about the acceleration. <laughs> it goes 400 miles an hour. I, I, I would like to definitely want to break 1,000. Uh, everyone says I should be able to. Uh, board, I've been talking to Borg Warner. They just upgraded the turbos that I had. Uh, I had a 7670 through a recommendation of another shop because I didn't know much about LS and such. So I went with the 7670. And then later on, I realized that I would not hit that thousand horsepower. I would just run out of air. So now Borg Warner has upgraded it for me to 8474. And I should be getting up to um, like 12 plus. I'm, I'm trying to shoot thousand. I think it will. I, um, I'm hoping this is kind of like my last like real build and i don't think i'm going to build anymore after this um uh-huh so sure. mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yeah sure he's not going to build anymore until the yeah, kids sure. are through college <laughs> yeah sure likely <laughs> <laughs> but um so i, I if i I'm, I'm talking to some of my past sponsors and and if this goes and if sema happens this year which it might not but right now my goal is if it gets running i want to drive it from Birmingham, Alabama to Las Vegas. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, that'd be a great trip. Just drive it. Like, you know, like... I'd love the I'll, caravan out there with I'll you. I'll it. it. <laughs> That's cool. And then I'll peel it. Our missing co-host, uh, Will, he, I think he's he's got three cars debuting at SEMA this fall if it happens. Oh, wow. So we, we could figure out a caravan because I've already yeah. got my reservation set at the Marriott out there, and I'm planning on going. And we're working with somebody else trying to get uh, press passes for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we could probably do some sort of a <laughs> decent caravan out there, and maybe we'll bring a tow bar. <laughs> Not that we need it, but... <laughs> So what do you, what do you guys think about this? Um, I mean, you think it's going to happen? November's a long way off, in my opinion. Um, I was really surprised they canceled uh, Pebble Beach as quickly as they did, but you know, Monterey Car Weeks. But you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of travel, a lot of money's got to get invested, and this saves them the additional promotion, and the the hotels are prepared for it. Vegas is a different story. If SEMA doesn't happen, you know, I don't think Vegas is going to notice a uh, income hiccup. Uh, Supposedly the restaurants out there open quietly over the weekend. It's all going to depend on how the next couple of months play out. What what happens if June goes as bad as some of the people I've talked to and listened to have said? uh, No, it's not going to happen. If we get through June and it's cool... And, you know, we're, we've either hit that level state or we're in a decline. Yeah, it'll probably happen, but it's still on the bubble. I haven't canceled my reservations, but I'm kind of maybe budgeting the money to go elsewhere because I might not need it for the trip. Um, yeah, I've got a couple friends in the uh, the large event, uh, both, you know, concert and entertainment and experiential event industries, and, and all of them are saying that, it's probably two years before we actually get back to whatever the new norm is going to be. And that's, that's not from me. That's not speculation. That's coming from folks inside the event industry. Now they're not doctors. 
they're you know they're, they're not epidemiologists they're 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 not that but they they do have their finger on the pulse of what's going on inside that industry and as much as i know everyone in this conversation wants to see events like sema and pri and um, mm-hmm. you know, ces and all of those big events that we can get out and actually check out what's going on in the, in the automotive industry it's up in the air man yeah it's, it is i mean I'm, right now it's, it's really hard for me to think about being packed yeah. in with half a million people yeah, dude. In i mean convention it's, center it's kind of mm-hmm. scary so <laughs> i have a teleconference or i have a, i guess a, a phone call next late next week with a huge event promoter about a couple of things okay and uh he he's kind of where sean is that it is the time he's saying it's the time to get into the event business because there could be some huge deals to be had but be prepared for them to cancel. I know you do yeah. your deals gap rotary run every year, and you were forced to cancel it this year. And yeah. the minis on the Dragon had to cancel theirs, and then they kind of did a rogue type thing with you know a dozen cars instead of three hundred cars. No, I'm I'm very hesitant, and uh, I'll be honest. Right now, I'm even avoiding the local um, car scene. I know there's some events beginning to happen around here. I'm in an immune compromised household and technically yeah. I am because of a condition I have. Yeah. So I'm I'm not risking it and I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna play it by ear, but we'll see where it goes. I hope for the best, but maybe we'll see it SEMA or maybe all of a sudden everybody's gonna get uh an extra year of builds and I don't know what how big SEMA two thousand twenty one would be for that <laughs> <laughs> with two years of builds to debut. Is yeah. is the the convention center isn't big enough to hold two years worth of builds? Good lord! <laughs> well, they keep oh, yeah. sprawling Ooh. and sprawling. I mean, it's so big. They could do it at the football stadium. They'll have a football stadium by then. Yeah, I mean, they, they're building <laughs> more space across the street. They've got the they're NHL arena. You you could fill yeah. the NHL arena. You could fill the convention center. It could be a an all across town type thing. And you know, and you know what they could have at the NHL arena that would be a new category for SEMA? I Car bet hockey. you Derek knows. Oh, the the Zamboni class. There yeah, it is. I like where this is going. <laughs> rotary God. rotary powered Zambonis. Did we just end the show? Oh. I have to start building one. Did we just yes. I mean we we may have Let's just do it, ended. Phil. Let's do we it. We may have just walked ourselves yes. into a show ending. Well, Holy we're at crap. that hour. We're at that hour mark, so we technically should be ending. And I, we only had Phil till nine thirty. I don't know exactly where he ranks on the totem pole of executives where he's at, but <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we probably we 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 got everything accomplished. I want to do. We had a long talk about rotaries. We talked about the Corvette rotaries, and we found Phil. I'm going to say you have my stamp of approval like you needed it. You have a very logical reason about building your LS. Um, like I said, it didn't make sense to me. And maybe this will help in long form. And when people say, why are you doing this? You can say, listen to No Driving Gloves episode. I think we're on episode, you'll be episode 131. And <laughs> maybe you're 132. But you listen to no dri- listen to me on No Driving Gloves. And I explain it all. Very well, and you'll have to you can quit telling the story. Did I explain okay? I don't know. No, it this was is a, my first time a, doing podcast stuff, so I don't it was know. a very well thought out explanation. And I'm sitting, kind of comes back around to pushing me to, yeah, just tell a swap damn thing, be done with it. <laughs> I, I just, hey, you could if it's a car, it, though, you know, if it's a car you want to keep, 
Yeah. Like I know the Unos in this country is not a it's it's not a common car in this country. So it's, you're kind of making that car into something that's yours. Yeah, you know, and 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 picking up the new one. Yeah, and then picking up the new one. My ultimate goal is to kind of showcase it together, because the one that I just picked up. I mean, it is probably the prime example of you know stock Unos Cosmo. I mean, it is. The guy, I, I didn't do any of it except to purchase it, but I mean, the guy who restored it, his name is Brad Berger, and he has a, a 60s Cosmo. Somehow, I don't know how he's related to Mazda USA or Japan, but he. the story goes is that he has the very first RX-8 that came to the United States. I think like number three or number four uh, FDRX7 and then number one FC that came to us. Oh, um, and, and then the, the Cosmo that I have was his and he bought it from a friend of a Japanese diplomat who brought it to us back in mid nineties. And then he bought it early 2000 and then completely restored it. I mean, like NOS parts, he stripped the whole entire car down, repainted it into factory paint and then he brought in a one of the very last crate three rotor which i think i was mentioning earlier like mazda did not sell it to a private party but somehow he was able to get it and then put it into this car i remember seeing the guy who owned it before me brought it to my event in 2009 and that was the first time me actually seeing this car and I was like, wow, like this thing is phenomenal. Like, right. you know, the condition. And when I bought it, I was a little bit worried. Like, uh, you know, it's been like a little over 10 years. Like what kind of condition would it be? And it is immaculate. Cool. Um, so my goal is to kind of, I want to just go all out with this one with the VA twin turbo, you know, like, like a unique turbo setup. Um, try to do like a V mount setup into a car. It has so much room. I could put a LS twin turbo front mount twin turbo and do a V mount setup. I mean, wow. that's how long this front end is. I mean, it's insane. It's like an eight um, series BMW. It's, oh yeah. I mean, that's what they were competing front. for back in right. the days. I mean, yeah. Mazda created this to compete with, you know, the 12 cylinder BMW yeah. Mercedes. I can't wait to see it. It's cool that you're local. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> cool. That you're local. I actually, we, John and I, we eventually get to see it. I, I'll hold you to that. Okay. I have never met a car that I didn't want to drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that's awesome. driven. Hopefully, you know, it won't blow up in the <laughs> thousand pieces. It's, it's an LS. LS. It's an LS. It shouldn't. <laughs> According to everything you just said, it's it's good to go forever. I mean, that's what everyone tells me. I mean, I went to LS Fest when I was thinking about doing this, and John, you know, introduced me to Will, right? Yeah. And, you know, at that time, I was going to do a – I was trying to figure out – how to control uh, 6L80E, like aftermarket. So we'll kind of show me around through LS Fest, trying to get some information about that. And and then in, then I switched back to 4L80E, mainly because there's so much more support. Now, just going to go straight T56 or TR6060. So we'll see. Yeah. Go, with the, go with the heavy duty guts. Yeah. I could, so. I could sit here and keep talking to Phil forever. John, you're going to have to wrap this up. 
We'll go ahead and kill the recorders. I'm sorry, everybody. And we might keep going for a little bit. Maybe we'll have, have Phil back at some point. Uh, maybe we'll talk to him at SEMA this year if we make it. Maybe we'll shoot a YouTube of his car when we see it at Magic City Octane. Let's just go ahead and say we will, sh- we will shoot a YouTube video. We will absolutely shoot a YouTube video. Of, as a matter of fact, when, when all this is over, let's figure out a time when we can come over and actually do a YouTube video with the cars. That, I mean, we, I know everybody would love to see what you've got in the garage, if you're cool with that. Yeah, well, right now it's, it's spread everywhere. A lot of my friends own a car. Road trip. <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> so my friend has the RX3, uh, and then another friend has the RX8. Um, and the Cosmo is at the Boosted Authority. And then I have the Cosmo and then the 3 FD at the house. RX2 um, that I bought with the Cosmo is still up in Huntsville. So I was supposed to pick it up and then the whole COVID thing kind of ruined it. And you're running around so. getting parts for these with a uh, rotary pickup, right? You know, I, I thought about a rotary pickup, but they're kind of useless. <laughs> I mean, you don't have torque, so, you know, it's, I drove one, and, and it's neat, but, I mean, you know, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. I mean, so. Well, it's it's just a cool little toy, man. It is. It, it is pretty neat, that Mazda made, you know, rotary pickup, but, um, I, I, I mean, I, I so I had a chance to buy one. There was a guy in Florida, he offered me first, uh, it was a three-rotor, um, oh and they, NA3 rotor repo, and it was probably the cleanest uh, repo in the country. Um, he was kind of downgrading all his stuff. Uh, he wanted to travel around the world. Um, <laughs> and he was just getting rid of all his toys. And he contacted me and he said, Hey, Phil, you know, out of any, anyone that I know, I, I know you will take care of it. And, you know, I'll make you a deal. And, and at that point, I had the money to buy it, but. I just, I don't know. I just, the space was one of the biggest issue. I didn't have that much space. So um, I just kind of passed it, but he, it did go to a, you know, someone who deserves it. So, cool. um, but he did, he did. Offer I did find a warehouse locally the other day that I, if I could get a couple people to go in with me, it's like 2000 square feet, but 1300 a month, safe area. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i live too far away so i'm out yeah. although i need space you just got to keep looking but yeah I, I, i'm done for tonight guys um oh, all right, right man. let's just go ahead and put the zamboni on the ice for Derek and well just rotary. remember 2021 2021 the introduction of a rotary powered zamboni look forward to an nhl LH, nhl event near you sounds like a plan we could smoke everyone out Mm-hmm. Thanks, Phil, for spending time with us tonight. Thanks, John, for the invite. It was great chatting with you guys. Nice to meet you, Derek. Nice meeting you, Phil.